The Lollygaggers podcast believes that the more things change, the more they stay the same. For instance, we're changing our format, but Justin's still a dumbass. And in this episode, that dumbass catches up on recent game announcements while Jeff busts some skulls in the board game beat em up Street Masters. Both Lollygaggers then break down everyone's favorite new streaming show in Disney's The Mandalorian. Welcome to episode number 72 of the Lovely Geggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things. Again, uh, from comics, game, movies, TV, I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm another one, Justin. How's it going, man? It's going pretty well, man. Semester's almost over. I'm in the final week. Next week's finals. I got all sorts of papers to grade, but uh, yeah, it's looking good. How was your Thanksgiving? It's good, but uh, I ended up getting a head cold, so I'm a little, I'm a little pluggy right now. So yeah, you sound a little sound. sound a little nasally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, it was good. Uh, my family was all here in Colorado. It was nice, That's awesome, like, nice big eighteen person dinner. Wow, and it was uh, something we haven't had in a long time. So it was a fun little time. What'd you do? Uh, I visited my folks in Florida, and we were basically all there. Like my whole, like my immediate family was all there. Uh, only like one, I think my, yeah, only like one. I think we had we had probably close to eighteen as well. Um, a couple kids. Uh, and it was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was also my mother's 70th, so that was a big thing. And then one of my cousins got engaged the same weekend. So it was like all sorts of craziness. Thursday, Thanksgiving, Friday, mother's birthday, Saturday, my cousin gets engaged and a bunch of us, uh, the younger crowd of cousins, went out uh, went out drinking uh, to celebrate. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't had a, a big Thanksgiving like that in a long time with uh, everybody. We've even had like my uncle and my and my aunt too there, which was nice. And my my mother in law came in, so she was there for us too. So like it was a nice big thing. We haven't had anything like that in a long time. So it was really fun. It was nice to spend time with the brothers and everything. Very cool, man. So all right. So let's let's talk about some stuff. So we uh we decided we're gonna shift the uh the focus of the podcast a little bit again. We do this every so often. Uh we're gonna kinda take a little break from our challenges just because the challenges have been sort of taking up so much of the stuff. Uh, so much of the time in the podcast that we really haven't had the kind of time to talk about some other things that we really just sort of want to talk about. And you're, Justin's got a few things you want to hit. He wants to talk about here. I'm I a little backlogged. Game. Yeah, you're a little, you're a little backed up. So, uh, so yeah, what's on the docket from you today, Justin? So first I want to talk about BlizzCon, even though it was like a month ago. <laughs> That's how um, backed up we are. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that came out. Um, more The most uh, urgent thing for me is, you know, I've always like World of Warcraft. There's a new expansion coming out into the Shadowlands. They had a nice, uh, like, uh, cinematic for it. So I'm really excited about that. On top of that, Diablo 4 announcement was done. They had, like, a 12-minute long cinematic. Blizzard does just phenomenal cinematics. And I don't understand how they haven't, like, done, like, a TV show or a movie yet. They're just beautiful cinematics. And the one for Diablo 4 was just insane. So I'm looking forward to that. I've never been a Diablo fan, but... Who knows? Maybe I'll I'll get into it with this one. I always start Diablo of, and then never finish it. Well, that's not true. Yeah. I finished one and two, but I started Diablo three, never finished it. Uh, I I always get tempted to go back from time to time. Like action RPGs have never really been my my favorite uh, style of RPG. I prefer a little bit more story and a little bit more tactical stuff. Even though I know there's tactics and stuff in action RPGs, but like I don't know, it was it's never really been my my preferred thing. But I might you know hop back in. Who knows. It's supposed to be darker and grittier, less darker uh, and grittier than fluffy. Diablo. Okay, it's good. Yeah, yeah. it's well, like a harkens back to like the first yeah. one. Yeah, the first one was yeah, super, yeah. yeah, super dark and gritty. I still remember that that Diablo music. Yeah, it's good stuff. 
Um, on top of that, they have Overwatch 2, which is yeah. like, it's a sequel, but it's not really a sequel. It's just kind of like an, a PV add-on, which to me is interesting because I like the storyboard stuff and the the development of characters and sure. like a, a goal thing. And like, you don't have to have it. You just need to have it if you want to have new skins or play the PVE aspect of it, which I think is pretty interesting. I'm I'm uh, kind of interested in that one, but... I mean, do we do we know the uh, pricing point of it yet? And do we know like how know. much content? If it's a full price, be? there better be a lot of content. Yeah, that's that's time. the thing so. for me. Like, if when I think about it, like there's if there's not a significant number of missions, and if there's not some scaling difficulty or something like that, uh, I think back to like Left for Dead and Left for Dead Two with the way in which they yeah, like handle. how much pre how yeah. much replayability is there? Exactly, like that's what I'm looking for because. And how much difficulty is because like for me with cooperative games, and I'm, I'm going to talk about that in a minute when I get the board games, like keys for cooperative games are, is there replayability and is it difficult? Like I want to lose and I want to struggle against against cooperative games or else it's good. They're going to grow stale really quickly, especially if I'm able to just like maximize or beat the, you know, beat the boards and the stories like super fast and it's never really difficult again or there's never any sort of variation I can add to it, then yeah, it'll it'll kind of die out, especially if they're going to price it pretty high. And since it's Blizzard, I'm assuming they're going to put a premium on pricing. And who knows what that, you know, who knows if that's something that's worth worth actually purchasing. Yeah, and the last thing with Blizzard really is currently World of Warcraft's in their 15th year anniversary. Um, so like there's a few pets and uh, like mounts you can get. There's a World Breaker mount, which is basically... Uh, Deathwing, which is pretty neat, and then there's these like little raids you can do. They're looking for group where you can go in there and experience really old content. It's kind of interesting look back on stuff. There's also an area in the caverns of time where you can basically look at every single cinematic that the game's ever had. So like if people don't know older stuff, it's just kind of a good uh, nostalgia based type of thing going on, which is nice because you know like I I played since not launch, but maybe like a few months after launch. So it's nice seeing some stuff like that. Um, finishing up. Uh, League of Legends, they have a whole bunch of stuff coming out. Dude, I want that card game so bad. I want to play the card game. I still can't. I, still I can't do get in too, kind of. I'm kind of looking forward to that one. Yeah. So first thing within the game, they're starting a new thing called Clash. Clash is basically a tournament-based <laughs> play style. And I sent Jeff a text the other day. I'm like, I'm like it's our time, man. This is where Lollygaggers make Justin, themselves. Justin and I have been talking. Like Justin had this, we had this ongoing joke that we're gonna eventually retire from our actual jobs and just go professional in some sort of video game and, and live in San Francisco, and something like that. Yeah, and, and so Justin is constantly pestering me with like putting together another, like you know, uh, trying to to go pro in league. But I keep telling him he can't be on the team because. Um, how do I put this delicately? He ain't no good at the game. I, I mean, don't know, man. Uh, I gotta be at cut. least top ten in our group. You're definitely so. top ten. So, but I, I think there's only eight of us. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, so I know. I mean, like I already said, you can be you can be equipment manager. You know, you can. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I mean, that's what you can do. They're or you their towels. Get us our our Starbucks or something like that. Hey, go, yeah. go fetch us things. But uh, not sure, man. We got. We, I mean, honestly, when was the last time you played a real traditional Summoners Rift game? It's been like two years. But yeah, we exactly. can make it happen. Yeah. We can definitely. Make all it happen. I do are play. I play uh, ARAM, TFT, and then all of the fancy stuff that they put out, like you know, like Earth mode and whatnot. Yeah, Earth. So then there's also Legends of Runeterra that Riot announced. They announced basically four new projects. I know, Legends man. of Runeterra is a card game, um, and I signed up for the. Uh, thing is I, I would think as much time that i've put into riot games i should get into this thing but i signed up for the 
the beta. I haven't gotten into it yet. Yeah, neither um, have I. a card game, um, which looks pretty interesting. Long has gotten into it, though, apparently. I, I, long, long, yeah, he did. Yeah. He's better than us, though. Like, I think I've maxed oh, out sure, yeah. at gold. I think I, I peaked into platinum, like, for, like, a weekend once and then completely fell out and dropped back I into gold. I've ever made That was years ago. So, but now I just and max I carried, it gold. I was carried into gold. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Legends. Uh, there's Legends of Terror. There's a fighter coming out. I think they're just calling Project L or Project F. I can't remember what it is, but um, it's basically it's made by the same people that make the Street Fighter, so it's kind of that same exact type of style. I'm kind of interested in that. I play a lot of more Mortal Kombat, and I like some fighters now. Gabe's got me into that. They have an FPS coming out, which looks kind of like a cooperative FPS, kind of like a, an Overwatch. I'm interested in what that's about. Is we'll it cooperative? I thought it was like TFT or excuse me, uh, think, TF2, Team Fortress. Eight. I think it's like Team Fortress or like uh, Siege, where it's it's still cooperative. You still work together for a certain objective. I think it's I think it's competitive because I do remember the video talking a lot about like latency and stuff like that. And yeah, they, they really did this focused whole on like focus on making sure that people weren't able to kind of manipulate like their their latency and their frame rates to like get some sort of advantage so i think it's competitive there might maybe there's a cooperative mode so maybe more like it, a csgo or something like it, that. yeah it, i definitely got vibes of team fortress like that was like you know, tf2 that's what i was kind of getting from it kind of crisp wasn't like yeah. super realistic graphics but you know that kind of yeah, in between that league like is a, pretty well known for at this point somewhat realistic but also yeah. very vibrant it's like colorful. in between like an overwatch and uh like a siege like it's not too serious yeah. but it's also yeah not i too, can see that yeah uh, they have a Diablo-style dungeon crawl coming out, which makes sense because that's basically what their engine is. It's like a Diablo feel. Right. Um, and then recently they had a new season of TFT, which I've been really liking. Uh, it's I'm called Season of the Elements. And uh, I'm all about wood assassins. That's my thing. That's what I like a lot. <laughs> Predators, baby, man. Predators, berserkers all day. Is uh, though I've been doing Woodland Assassins and it's super successful. No, I, like I, I had like an eight or nine team Inferno once that was ridiculous, didn't have any front line. It was just eight or nine, complete all of them damage dealers, all of them Inferno, and I melted people. It was uh, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. No, I, I also dig it. I haven't played in a couple of weeks because of the because of the holiday. I think the elements thing is like a is like across the board too because I think in Summoner's Rift. Uh, the the new changes to Summoner's Rift are with the the way in which the the dragons they spawn differently now. And the cool thing is that yeah, I mean, you 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 yeah. That. I mean, you've played since they had like the different things, like the wind dragon allows you to run faster. The earth dragon lets you you know take down or mountain dragon takes you takes down like a uh, different objectives quicker. And this and the, the the new change this year is that those dragons actually after a certain number of spawns, I want to say the fourth spawn maybe or third spawn, can't remember. They changed the map. They actually change the map. So like the the mountain dragon, for instance, will will cause like if that's the one that spawns at the right time, will actually cause new ground to form and rocks to come up out of the ground, changing certain paths yeah, and, and creating new chokeholds. Like more beneficial awesome. to like a Talon or right. Uh, what's his name? The guy with the scythe. Like it's like better for them or weird yeah, or line Talia, of or the like or not Talia, uh, uh Kiana, excuse me. Uh the Kiana who's really great using like the walls and the, and the terrain. So I think it's really cool. I think it's a nice iteration. I haven't played on it yet cuz I'm afraid of getting uh my feelings hurt by people telling me how bad I am. It's so mean in that community. Yeah. But uh yeah. So that's a little rundown of a bunch of stuff. I got some other stuff we'll talk about next week. I might shift a little bit to comics next nice. week. But uh I just been kind of chomping on a bit of like I want to talk about a bunch of stuff and haven't had a chance I know, to man. Uh, 
Uh, I've been torturing you with bad movies. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I too have stuff I want to talk about, uh, but I'm going to only do one this week because I've been playing some board games lately, and holy crap, have I been playing some really, really good board games. And so I've been playing, my wife and I, uh, we recently, about I guess about a month ago, we received Street Masters Aftershock in, from our Kickstarter backing that was was up on Kickstarter late 2018. Street Masters uh, is a game that's been out for, I want to say, two years. I think it came out in 2017. And then Aftershock was an expansion for it. And there's been other little mini expansions. Uh, I And this is this is quickly turned into one of my top two or three favorite games that I, I own. And I own like 150 or so, you know, maybe more. And this is definitely, definitely top two or three. I love it. My wife loves it. It's amazing. So it's designed by Adam and Brady Sadler, who uh, is like a, a brother design team, and they've designed other things. They uh, they used to work for Fantasy Flight Games. So they worked on like the uh, second edition. They worked on Arkham Horror, the card game, Warhammer Quest adventure card game, which got a ton of love before like licensing got in the way, and they couldn't really make the Warhammer licensed stuff anymore at, uh, at Fantasy Flight. Uh, they have also done with the company that's publishing uh, that's that's publishing street masters the company's called blacklist games they've also done brook city which is like a like a cop game like a street cop type of game like i've got five days to retirement or some some nonsense right and he's a good cop he's a good cop yeah uh so it's all they have also just recently i want to say first half of uh i mean maybe it was maybe it was over the summer they did like alter quest which is like a a fantasy style game uh, but they're they're known primarily for cooperative games. Like these guys, the, the, you know, they design cooperative games, and that is the preferred mode of play for my wife and I. We just we enjoy playing together. Like we don't have to get competitive about it. And honestly, even when we get into the bigger groups, we usually play cooperative games anyway, uh, unless it's light stuff. So having like this this big, awesome cooperative game come in was was really great. Now, Street Masters thematically is very much like double dragon remember remember double dragon uh yeah yeah, yeah. The, the fantastic <laughs> movie or the no the uh, video game the like, classic video game. like double dragon movies better oh god you're so uh good. it's got the guy from uh john wick three in it so i think it's pretty solid I just i just don't know why we do this podcast together anyway all right so it reminds me of things like double dragon the old video game the side-scrolling beat-em-up game like streets of rage uh, the Warriors, if you remember the 1980s movies, which is a bunch of different like street gangs and stuff like that, because this is a beat 'em up game. It is a game about fisticuffs and kung fu and all sorts of wonderful things. Um, and it's a game where you basically play fighters that are doing, you know, you, you're, we're the good guys. Like, so when my wife and I play, we each play our own fighter and we're playing the good guys and we're playing against all sorts of different villains. Now, the game itself uses what the Sadler Brothers the designers call the modular deck system, uh, and so that's I, basically what that means is that there's different there's different aspects of every game that are controlled by a specific deck of cards. So there are fighter decks, uh, which and a fighter is a, is effectively a, a hero. So like one person plays a fighter, then you know you can play one to four players. My wife and I play two players, and so she plays one fighter, I play one fighter, and we both get our own unique deck of, like, I think it's 15 cards. And then there's a villain you can choose to fight against, and there's uh, they, and they're controlled by their own specific deck. So uh, so each villain deck is different. It has different, different minions, different bosses, different abilities, different events that all happen. And there's also a stage. And so the stage is where this showdown between 
you know, your fighters and the villains are actually coming together to fight. And there's all sorts of different, you know, numbers of those as well. But specific events happen over the course of the game, and they are controlled by that stage deck. Now, the game basically ha- is a little, it's a little square uh, cardboard, uh, cardboard map, and there's miniatures in it. So these plastic miniatures that denote your fighter, that denote the villains, uh, the bosses, the minions, the, the henchmen, etc., and you move around in this little hex grid. So it's like it's all these hexes and you move around and there's a ton of different types of, of boards. Now, I, I should note that I have the all-in Aftershock version, meaning it's this huge cube that's got dozens and dozens of different fighters, uh, a dozen or more different villains, uh, probably around two to two and a half dozen different stages. And, and the, when I say modular deck system, what that means is that you can mix and match however you want. So... You can pick two fighters, one knight, one and one set of villains, and then the stage deck. And then the next night, you can just completely pick something else. And you're constantly like mixing and matching. So, okay, we're going to do two different fighters this time. We're going to fight the same villains, but we're going to use two different fighters and we're going to do a different stage. And every little and every little difference between those those two different stages or those two different fighters changes the game in some way because all fighters play very, very differently. All stages have their own special theme different layout, different objectives, and all of the villains have different abilities and different bosses and things like that as well. So there's tons of replayability just from that alone. And the game, the harken back to one of my other like requirements of a good cooperative game is, is the notion of difficulty. The, the game is actually fairly difficult because um, you, you have different, you have like kind of different difficulty levels per villain. So like the villain could be you know, this one's really hard. This one's really easy. And then stages have different complexity levels. And so it's a, there's a really nice kind of guide for how to pick this stuff. So if you want kind of a more simple and straightforward time, you pick one of the, the easier groups of villains in one of the, the simpler stages. But if you want a more difficult time, you, you pick one of the more difficult villains on one of the more complex stages, or you mix and match or do whatever you want. And then you can even add on an extra layer of complexity or an extra level of difficulty or variability by using heroes and, or excuse me, by using uh, allies and rivals. Allies are like NPC controlled additional fighters that you can put on the map. They're not as complex and they're not as involved as playing your own personal fighter, but they if you're like struggling, if you want a little bit of extra help, maybe to soak up some damage or something like that, you can use an ally. Or if you want it to be a little bit more difficult, you can add in a rival as well. Uh, so there's all sorts of different ways that you can kind of customize a specific experience of the game to your choosing. And that's great. And I love that. Now, with my version of the game, we have like, I want to put it at around 40 fighters and around 30 stages, around 13 or so villains. The core game of Street Masters comes with like four fighters, but there's tons of these both large box and small box expansions. And so you can kind of, if you like the game, if you get it and you, and you want to add more to it, there's so much more that you can add on in pieces some some more more expensive, some cheaper than others that allows you to kind of like extend the, the the lifespan of this game and give you some extra playability. So to play the game, you get all your decks together, okay, and then you you get your you you kind of set down the map, you put your you put your different figures down, and then you start doing things. You start moving around this hexagonal map, and you're trying to do specific things. Uh, usually in order to win the, the win the stage, you're usually either like defeating the boss or meeting some specific objective that's dictated by that stage deck. And you lose the game if you or, or if one of the fighters lose all their health or there's some other sort of loss objective that's dictated by that stage deck. 
Now on your turn, you can basically play a card from your hand. You can perform an action like an attack and you can move. Uh, but what's really cool is that there's all sorts of these little mini actions that you can take as you build your tableau in front of you and you start playing your cards from your deck and get some stuff into, into place. So you can have like different, uh, like different stances or something like that or different moves that you can have ready to go on your tableau. Other times you need to play a card, it goes right into your discard pile. And so it kind of changes depending on how you do certain things. Uh, so you, you can do those three things every single turn. And whenever the villain deck reveals a new minion, depending on who drew it, it kind of comes into their little play area. Uh, even though like there's a plastic version of the, of the minion on the map, their actual card that controls their abilities and tracks their health is right in front of you. So you have like your own little every player has their own little play area in addition to there being the central map area as well. Now, when you're playing cards, every, every fighter's deck is completely different. Some people are like grapplers. Some people are more Kung Fu people. Some people are more like boxers. And so everyone has like kind of their own way of fighting. Uh, some cards allow you to get like extra abilities in addition to those three basic types. Some cards allow you to like do faint ac uh, faint actions or they allow you to do exhaust cards to get little extra mini actions or to help build up a, a stronger attack in some way. When you attack, you do roll dice. So there's dice in this game. But and even though they're, they look like D6s, they're not actually D6s because there's no one, two, three, four, five, six pips on them. They have like their special custom dice. And what's really great about this is that even though you're rolling dice to hit, you never have a useless roll because there's no blanks anywhere on the die. Like, yes, you could potentially miss, but you can also do other things with the dice that you get. Because on the dice themselves, you either get an attack or you get a crit hit, which allows you, which basically is exploding dice, allows you to, to gain a new D6 uh, and, and roll it. Uh, there's also like a little guard or defensive token that you can get. Uh, and then there's like a combo of a guard and a hit at the same time. And even if you, even if you don't get enough, you know, a bunch of hits, even if you just say get a bunch of guards, that's great because what guards eventually let you do is they let you take these tokens and protect yourself. So if you get attacked later, you can use one of those defensive tokens to pre prevent yourself from getting from getting hit. And whenever you use those defensive tokens, you actually flip them over and you're charging up your own special ability, like a limit break option. And so if you're constantly kind of blocking damage in this way, eventually you'll accrue enough power that you get to unleash like your crazy special ultimate ability where you're just like flying all over the map or you're just like rapid punching like everything standing around you. And it can be really, really useful, especially if you can time it at a very effective time. And every single, every single fighter has their own special ability, not just like a standard ability, but also that powered up ability, which is really, really, really nice. So Again, the game is, is pretty fun. So you're just kind of moving around, doing your thing. Like in the stages are all sorts of different things. So like my, like the one we just played a couple, a couple days ago is like the train yard. And so in addition to having to like run around, we're trying to find these like different, uh, these, these different like itinerary plans, uh, and these trains keep showing up. Like whenever you draw on the stage deck, like if you draw the stage deck, a, a train could unexpectedly come and hit you and anybody else standing on a track, which is really awesome. Uh, there's other ones that are a little bit simpler, um, but some of the stage, like some of the stages have specific terrain that you have to concern yourself with, or uh, there's things that can affect you in some way. Um, what we did is we took these extra little D and D components I had and created some 3d terrain on it. In addition to just like the 2d printed stuff, which is nice. Um, now the game itself doesn't take too long to play. We only play two players. Like I think we can, we can usually get at this point now, now that we're really familiar with how to play. We can knock out a scenario in like 45 minutes. No problem. 
Um, setup takes a little bit longer, but since we have like this big massive box with all sorts of card separators, it makes it a lot easier for us. Uh, so I would say at first, it's probably going to take you some time to learn the game. So your first plays will probably take a little bit longer. And I would say since we haven't played with incredibly complex decks yet, we were keeping it to like a, a, like the level three and below right now when the complexity goes up to like five. Uh, we haven't really faced anything where we've we've had to like sit there and like, you know, our brains have burned. We have lost though. Like we've played as many times as we've played, we probably won about as half as many times as we've lost, which is a nice combo. And there are certain fighters that are also easier than others. Like one of my... One of the fighters I was playing recently with it was Gabriel, uh, which is really fun because he can do this great move where he can just leap off the map carrying someone on his shoulders and then just like chuck them down on the ground when he comes back off the map, uh, which is great. He does all these little things with grappling maneuvers. There's also from the most recent Kickstarter, like this homage to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And so there's a couple different like reptiles and things like that that, that you can play as, which is cool. Uh, the most recent Kickstarter also had... Uh, like Parasol Inc. as an enemy, which is like a, a nod to Umbrella Corp from uh, Resident Evil. Uh, there's everything from like Italian mafia families to like gothy vampire clans that you can fight against, which is really, uh, really crazy. And so it just gets kind of bonkers silly, uh, but it's exactly what I want. Um, so it's a game that for me is difficult, but not impossible. Uh, scalable, meaning... I can play it solo if I want. I can play it with my my wife if I want, or I can play it with two or you know an extra an extra friend or two. We can play it up to three or four, which is great. Uh, it has nice miniatures, which is always a plus for me. Uh, it's got tons of variability. Uh, it's not hard to learn. It's in when I say they have decks, like it's not pre it's, it's all pre constructed, so you never have to worry about making your own deck or anything like that. There's a story mode as well. Some of the some of the stages and some of the Heroes have their own specific stories behind them, but we haven't really got into the stories that yet. We're really just playing like arcade mode and just fighting stuff. Uh, and also it doesn't, it never feels like you're impo it's impossible to win. And there are these like really awesome, memorable moments. Like every time we've played, both my wife and I have like built up to this like really memorable turn where like we're just flying off walls and taking people down or I just drop like 15 damage out of, on a dude like out of nowhere. And it just feels really, really rewarding. So I strongly recommend Street Masters. And then uh, I should also note that they just finished up a Kickstarter for their next modular deck system game, which is called Hour of Need. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't really able to record before that was uh, that Kickstarter finished up, but they do do late pledges at some point, I think. And Hour of Need is like the same kind of system, except it's superheroes. So it might be kind of up your alley and you can get like a two-player box too for like a, a lower price point than Street Masters, which is like around 85 bucks or so if you wanted to buy the core game uh, of Street Masters from like a Cool Stuff Inc. or directly from the Blacklist Games website. So, uh, but we've been absolutely digging this game. We played it a ton. We had it. We left it set up like all week, uh, a couple weeks back, and just every night we just pop out a new game, and play for forty five minutes after dinner. So it was really really good. So Street Masters, Blacklist Games. If you like cooperative games, if you like kind of old school beat 'em up themes or Street Fighter or Streets of Rage or Dra Double Dragon, then this is definitely a game worth looking at. All right, man. I think uh, we got a breakdown to do. I think we do uh, have a breakdown to do. A little breakdown? Yeah, a little breakdown. It's the TV. Breakdown. All right, so like everybody, we have been watching The Mandalorian. So The Mandalorian, if you don't know what it is, it was created by Jon Favreau. He's all grown up now. 
Uh, it's a it's a TV drama that's set in the Star Wars universe, uh, and it's currently airing on Disney Plus, the Disney's new streaming service that is, I don't know, something like five bucks a month. It's actually pretty good. I was really surprised. Uh, it takes the 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 show takes place five years after the Return of the Jedi, uh, so well before the events of the Force Awakens, one of the more recent uh, recent movies in the newest trilogy. And unlike most of the movies, the show doesn't really pay much attention to the whole Skywalker family drama or. Honestly, not even that much between the Jedi v. Sith, uh, Sith stuff. Uh, and instead, it focuses uh, on one specific character called the Mandalorian and is effectively a Western, kind of like a, a space Western, which is my favorite kind of Western. So it's the the Mandalorian. Uh, his specific name is Din Jaren, but uh, a lot of people just call him Mando. He's a bounty hunter, uh, and he's played by Pedro Pascal. And even though you never actually see his face uh, in this particular show, he's the same guy that was in Game of Thrones. Uh, he uh, he got his head famously crushed by the mountain, uh, which is probably why he wears the helmet and he can never take it off in this show because his his head's his head's crushed. Uh, so it all makes sense. Uh, it's now. perfect. It's all. It's I think that's canon. I think we should. Who knew Game of Thrones and Star Wars were the were the same universe? Anyway, the cool thing is that Mando is uh, has a little bit more complex morality than some of the other major characters that we've seen in star Wars. And he has his own code. It's like his own personal code, like what, it, what he's willing to do, what he's willing to let go. Uh, and he has like the way, and it's a, it's a recurring phrase that a lot of Mandalorians uh, actually use. Like, this is the way, right? This is like their, their way of being. Uh, and what's interesting is that it doesn't really fall neatly within the dichotomy of like rebellion and empire or resistance and first order. If you're more familiar with the, the more recent films, like, so it's definitely more morally gray, uh, or maybe even like witchery in some sense. Uh, now other people in the show, you got Carl Weathers, uh, of Apollo Creed fame. He plays grief Karga, who is another bounty hunter and kind of like Dylan, you son of a bitch. Dylan, you son of a bitch. Uh, nah, I, I shouldn't have said that. I should just let you did it, and I had to do it, and I ruined it. No, it's good. It's fine. I think it was okay. Oh my god. Uh, so, uh, so grief. Karga is another bounty hunter. He's a kind of guy. He's like a guy in the guild of the the bounty hunters or mercenaries, or whatever that gives out jobs. Uh, and they're kind of like frenemies in a way, sort of, kind of. Uh, along the way, throughout the first four episodes, because as of this recording of our podcast episode there's only been four episodes that have been dropped so far we've also seen like nick nolte Werner herzog and gina carano uh and there's some notes out there about who could be coming on as well i, I won't necessarily spoil that because we don't even really know what they've, they've been yet uh so the really the show is just centering on on pascal's mando character going from job to job and problem to problem solving it and there's looks to be an overarching complexity to his life based upon some early choices in the show. But then the episodes two, three, and four, it's more about just sort of dealing with the problem of, of like, a, like a Western cowboy might. Uh, and so Disney seems to be releasing them relatively consistently uh, as a one episode per week, dropping on Fridays, the first episode and the second episode were dropped relatively close to one another. But since then it's basically been, you know, every Friday. Uh, and so this Friday coming up, we'll get our fifth episode. So uh, that's a, uh, that's the Mandalorian on Disney plus. So Justin, we're four episodes in. Uh, two questions. One, how spoilery do we want to be? And two, what did you think of The Mandalorian? I think we'll start off with our overall thoughts and what we think of it. And then we'll have a spoilery thing at the end where we can talk about all the juicy stuff, even though I think the internet has ruined the main spoiler yeah, thing in the and, show. And that happens in the first so, episode, too. So um, yeah. yeah. But like getting deeper into it, I, I actually, I, 
that's really like the only thing that's super spoily. Um, so, and the whole world knows about it right now because how could you not? He's adorable. So, uh, uh, overall, I think the show's great. The cinematography, the the uh, visual effects, the mixture of practical and special effects is fantastic. There, I know there was a thing where they were thinking about switching the Baby Yoda to video effects, but then well, now you just like, spoiled it. Like you're saying, like, okay, I'm not going to spoil it, and then you just said Baby Yoda, which is effectively spoiled. There's it. a Baby Yoda. He's fantastic. Uh, so uh, Werner Herzog, I guess, said like, uh, if it says something along the lines of "Don't be a pussy, use the puppets." something like that so like he kind of like <laughs> challenged the production about like don't go to vfx with the use the puppet because i thought it was pretty cool um but i like like a, a few things that i really love the ig88 droid was amazing was voiced by takai watiti which was fantastic and then like the way it moved and the way it fought i thought was incredible how could anyone ever beat that thing in a fight sure. it's beyond me um i think the action's good uh, there's tons of there's tons and tons of uh, like cameos like the fish person in the beginning of the episode that's a uh, uh, Horatio Sands and like uh, like I said Nick Nolte uh, who I thought was great. Um, I have spoken. The, the I have spoken. And I thought he did a great job. Um, even Gina Carano, I thought she played a really cool little character. She's fine. Um, and I thought the whole little story was great. Uh, when it comes to overall arc, it almost seems like a video game because, like, he goes on little mini quests to also inevitably, uh, I guess, solve his overall arcing quest of what's going on, which is pretty interesting. And the overall arcing quest is, what does he do with this this thing that clearly the Empire wants, and like, how does he deal with it? And and it's it's a really great little thing. It reminds me a little bit of of Logan as well, which is you know a western, if you will, the the movie Logan. Uh, so it's it's very much like it's like a cat and mouse, but also like a moral ambiguity of what's right, what's wrong, um, and like what should he do? Is it? It's not part of his way. It's not part of his culture. I love the development of the Mandalorian culture and the people. I thought that was really cool. Um, I like the the besheveled and destroyed empire, which is really cool to see, like where they were after the whole thing happened, like how the 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 I guess the weight has been shifted to the rebellion and that they're kind of the new Republic is kind of the one in charge. And it makes you wonder how does the first order come to be if the rebellion and the new, and the, the Republic is kind of like uh, the ones in charge. Like how does, how does first order happen after all that? And I just think overall, it's just a, a really fun show with cute little twists and baby Yoda is the cutest thing I've ever seen on TV. So that's my overall thoughts of it. All right, so I love this. Uh, uh, so I'll just start out by saying that. Now, there's a variety of reasons why I love this show. Part of it's I love westerns. Uh, I specifically love space westerns. I love that that notion of like the frontier and how these different planets can have these isolated mixtures of culture that is like both agrarian but also somewhat technologically sophisticated. So I really like some of the things that we've seen, especially in episode four. I like that that setting. I, I, the story was a little weak, but like I thought the setting was great. And we've seen like we've seen most so much of Star Wars has been on like Dune planets. You know, it's been on. Uh, yeah, it's it? nice to see some lush gardens. Yeah, it's nice to see ones. grass and whatever. Uh, but 
I really like Westerns. I like the sensibility of Westerns. I like the, the moral ambiguity of Westerns, but at the same time, like knowing that the character I'm following might be like kind of a Clint Eastwoody, like gruff character. And I think Pascal actually referenced that as, as an inspiration for how he's playing them, but also generally good, you know, in a way like doing the right thing, like whatever they consider the right thing to be. The other reason I yeah, was, I was, yeah. I was about to interject, but I was talking to my brother about it. He goes, I knew during the second episode, he said, I knew I was either going to keep watching the show or not keep watching the show based on his decision of what was going to happen. Or the third episode, he's like, if he goes back, I'm going to keep watching the show. If he doesn't go back, I don't like him anymore. So I'm not going to watch the show. So like, like he's generally, like you said, he's, he's generally good, but he still has, like, he just lives by code, right? a code of his people. So it's like, it's, it's, there's a lot of moral gray in what happens. When I, when I think of it in terms of like D and D alignment, right? He is not lawful good, and I hate lawful good. And so I find lawful good very boring. But he's he's something else. He's like, you know, he's like neutral good. Like he t- has a tendency. He's not like evil. You know, he's not. He but he's not also like this this paragon of virtue. Uh, but he still tries to do ultimately the right thing. And even though he gives off this sense of neutrality based upon his job and you know his willingness to arrest people no matter what there's still that underlying goodness beneath the surface that he has to tap into from time to time when he makes some of his important choices. So I really like that because so often I think in the, the bigger Star Wars universes and even in the original trilogy, like it, it fell too much into a black and white, you know, even to the point where like, you know, Darth Vader is just draped in black. That's bad, you know, and like, or the red, you know, like the the red lightsaber versus the green lightsaber, you know, but so like I, I I don't like those like really stark dichotomies. And I feel like this movie uh, or excuse me, the this television show is is straying away from that, which is good. Now the other reason I really, really like it is that it explores the Star Wars universe independent of Jedi and Sith. And I love that because I am so exhausted by that being the focal point like the even though like we get little elements of the force uh, here and there it's really not the focal point we're just looking at the rich world building that exists in the star wars universe that you only really get if you're an extended universe fan like if you read some of the books or if you watch clone wars or something like that but even clone wars is so heavily jedi focused and sith focused that you don't get to see as much of the mercenaries and the bounty hunters and you know the smugglers and whatnot it's why i love rogue one it's why and i I know it was a movie that that took a lot of heat i i liked solo i thought solo was a very good movie uh maybe not what people were expecting but i still nonetheless thought it was actually a good movie and explored aspects of the star wars universe that we never get to see because we're so freaking focused all the time on these stories about destiny and, and and bs that we get following the Skywalker nonsense. Like I just get exhausted. And like, I, and don't get me wrong. <laughs> I sound, that sounds mean. Cause I love that, that shit too, but I like this better. And I, and I've always wanted more of this. So yeah, it's like you have an entire universe, right? right? And we've just been localized around a small family, you know, not it's, even yeah, like a large a family. family. Drama, yeah. It's like a family of two yeah. kids. Yeah. And it's just like two kids. It's nice to dad. kind of, ex- yeah. Explore a little bit of this entire universe without having to be pigeonholed by this idea. Yes, there is a baby Yoda, right. which clearly has force powers. And yes, there's the empire, <laughs> but that's kind of almost ancillary to the big thought of, 
this is a guy who sees that there's something with this kid who who saved his life. Yeah. So it's almost like a moral obligation. And he sees it in danger. And he wants to keep it safe. And that's literally it, you right. know? And th- there's nothing like, oh, I don't want the Empire to have the power to do this. Or I don't want... It's just, no, they're kind of doing something shady with this kid. And he saved my life, so I'm going to save his. Right. So it's kind of like what it is, you know? No, absolutely. And I mean, for me, and for me, even beyond like the the morality, it's just like we're getting to see the world or the universe from an angle that we've not seen before. Like one of the bigger criticisms that I tend to I tended to agree with when it came with the Force Awakens was that it was too much. It was too much homage, right? It was too much repeating the same sort of storyline, right, that we saw before, and it didn't necessarily push the boundaries. And even though Last Jedi has some flaws to it, for sure, like I did like the fact that it was trying to push in some areas differently. I just didn't necessarily like, you know, what they did. I would have rather, I would have rather like we explore some of these the the the, the side characters like the smugglers and the bounty hunters and the rogues, as opposed to the hero the heroes and the heroines and stuff like that. Like the sky, like I, I get tired of that after a while. Which, and I don't. I'm not always tired of it. And sometimes I absolutely want that, but I've had so much of it that I've been like yearning for this other stuff. Right. Which is why I remember playing star Wars galaxies and stuff like that. And I remember playing night, you know, Knights of the old Republic and, and even the old Republic, the MMO, like whenever I could, I would try to play characters that weren't the force users. I would try to explore like the, the planets that weren't Tatooine. You know, I want to see the aspects of this big, rich, tapestry this galaxy like we're in a galaxy far far away but it always feels so small i think because so frequently we're focused on the same planet or the same type of planet that looks exactly the same and i think with the mandalorian there's a wonderful opportunity now to explore that galaxy in an interesting way to where we can actually see more places encounter more cultures we can have more stories. They're smaller stories. They don't have the epic nature of the movies, which again are great, but I like the intimacy of this, right? I like the fact that we're getting smaller, intimate stories that don't have to be the end all be all of the universe. It's just, can I help save this village? Can I help save this kid? What do I do here? And that's that, right? We don't need, you know, the oppressant politics that come in play when it comes to the other types of stuff. Now, those still exist. The Republic still referenced. The Empire is still lingering, like the, the like you mentioned. But it's ultimately the bat. You know, they're there, part of the universe, and we're just exploring different things. So I yeah, not everything needs to be about like the fate of the galaxy, right? You know? Exactly. This is just like a contained story, which is I'm sure there's larger implications to it. I'm right. sure there is. I mean, you can't have a character like the little baby Yoda. And there not be larger implications. But for what sure. it is right now, before it has jumped the shark, which I'm sure it will at some point, um, uh, it's a nice self-contained little story that's just about a dude who is pretty cool. And by the way, for him not having any facial expression, great acting. Um, and, and it's just like, I, I like this little story of him and this adorable little green creature, which might be the best thing that's ever been made by Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, I also like the fact that the show is opening up more opportunities for other people to direct. 
uh, or seeing like the first women uh, are actually directing. And yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard did the fourth She did the fourth one. one. But even before that, I can't, I'm sorry, I totally blanked on the woman's name for number three. Like, like we're seeing, I think we're seeing Disney kind of open up a little bit where like it always felt like Star Wars was such a one man show in a way, like when it was under the Luke, you know, under George Lucas's control, I feel like Disney is, is kind of opening up and letting other people in. Now that has both pros and cons. Cause I know many people, my cousin included over this past Thanksgiving who hates Ryan Johnson for the passion. Uh, but I don't. Uh, so it's nice to see that. And we're seeing a better tapestry for it to me. Like, I feel like the show is a better canvas for bringing in different people, different writers and different directors, because you can do semi-episodic content, right? It doesn't always have to be the grand epic arc that has canon in, you know, implications to the Skywalker story, because sometimes on this small little little planet in the middle of nowhere, it doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with the Skywalker story, right? It can be something else entirely in that, that there's freedom to being able to tell that story. And so I really like the potential for what The Mandalorian has to offer. And I know that there's other, there's been other shows like, you know, I mentioned the Clone Wars, obviously, but I also feel like this show is geared better for adults in a, in a way, right? I feel like this is, this is, this is a show that takes in like the, the best aspects of like what we see in the movies, that mixture of like wonder that brings in children, but also like the kind of interesting stories and even nostalgia that, you know, you and I as like people in our thirties that are looking back on this, you know, on our childhood and stuff, like we're getting, we're getting things from this show that, that we're not really getting from some of the other attempts to demonstrate Star Wars on television. So I am loving the show thus far. I do feel that the fourth episode, probably the weakest of the four, but that's okay. It was still very, very good. Uh, so looking forward to Friday to be able to see episode five. So I, I, I can't recommend it enough. If if you haven't gotten Disney plus yet, I get it. You can always just wait until the first season's done and then pick it up. That makes sense. But even still five bucks, Disney plus there's a lot of stuff on there. That's uh pretty solid, like Darkwing duck. I mean, that's worth five bucks a month alone. I mean, let's get dangerous, right? You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's this type of yes. world we're living in. We need a Darkwing duck to look over us. No, like I, I agree with you. I think it's a, a great show. I'm looking forward. Like a show like this makes me really look forward to the Obi Wan show that's coming out. And especially since other... Ewan McGregor is involved with it, I mean, that's yeah. gonna be great. Not to mention all the really like this is the first TV show given by Disney Plus. They've talked about a What If show, a uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon show. Oh God, I don't uh, want to talk about Marvel. A low key show, like the... so. To me, like this shows good promise for the future endeavors that they're gonna have. This is the first piece of quality that they come out with. Like this is the, this this is what their leadoff hitter is, and I think it's a really good start to the whole uh, streaming service. And plus, that baby Yoda is so cute. Hundred so, percent agree. Yeah. Plus, my wife uh, got to watch all the uh, Santa Claus movies this weekend, so she was thrilled about that too. So. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Disney Plus. You're doing great things in my home. All right. So yeah, I mean, we love it. Definitely recommend it. Go take a look at it. And and that's about it for us. So uh, we're going to end this episode a little bit more loose format. I think we're going to use this for a little while going forward. And and maybe we'll we'll drop a challenge in from time to time as well. Uh, so if you uh, if you got ideas about the new format and if you got suggestions on things you would like to hear us do more of, you can catch us on Twitter. I'm at lollygaggerco, L-O-L-L-Y-G-A-G-G-E-R-C-O. Justin's at buys Justin. Uh, you can also just catch us on our website, thelollygaggers.com. 
Uh, you can also find not just episodes uh, for this podcast, but also the sister podcast, Adventures in Lollygagging, if you're into some tabletop actual play podcasting. Uh, and so that's about it. So Justin, uh, if you were to be uh, in the Star Wars universe, right? So Maybe like, you know. Okay, no, 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 stop. What what race or, or excuse me species or what uh, you know what job like what what do you what do you think would be your lot in life if you were a member of the Star Wars galaxy? Um, I thought a lot about this, Jeffrey. Um, That's amazing because I literally just thought of this question as I was talking. No, I think about this every night <laughs> before I go to bed. Um, I believe I would be the fat trainer of the uh, what's the big move from. Uh, Return of the Jedi, the big uh, monster that Jabba throws, looking to uh, what is it? Uh, my cat's throwing stuff for it. What's the name of that thing? I think I restart this. It's the Rain Core. Okay, here. All right. I'm not editing any of that out. Oh, <laughs> uh, nuts. Okay, okay. So I'd be a Rain Core, fat Rain Core trainer. That's what I'd do because I feel like body wise and uh, attitude wise, uh, I think I could do really good work. So, yeah. You know that that uh, the Rain Core trainer didn't. Probably, probably didn't live a good life. Yeah, but he's got a giant rank course. It's really cool. All right.